We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And what a crazy weekend. On Friday, we started out hot and then got our butts kicked against the the hated Celtics. Then, in a Sunday 3 o'clock Pacific time game, at least, I guess 5 o'clock in Detroit, we had <laughs> LeBron gets kicked out after he clips Isaiah Stewart with an elbow. Isaiah Stewart loses his mind, and the Lakers find the Holy Spirit not long after that, led by Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, and get a, uh, come back from a 15-point deficit to start the fourth quarter. Mike, as that game was transpiring, you know, there's always that, oh, God, what the hell are we going to talk about on the pod element of it? And I thought the idea of juice and spirit and all of that, you you uh, will kind of tease me a little bit about how in the weeds we can be on this pod. But before any scheme, any lineup or anything else can work, there has to be a certain spirit, competitive spirit from the players or else it, your scheme does not matter. It is a more foundational ingredient. And so much of both our collapse versus Boston and then the first three quarters of that Detroit Pistons game seemed like life and spirit issues more than anything that preceded any of the lineup or X's and O's stuff that we talk about. You were there in the building. Did you pick up on that as well? And was it the fight that swung it? Just what changed? Well, if I tease you mean praise, uh, then then you are correct <laughs> uh, in the way that I would think about when you go deeper into the weeds. Uh, there's so much to go on here. I I wasn't sure if we were going to just start with like the the whole LeBron Stewart thing, but I, I I like that you have veered it at least to start towards basketball. And I had to go back and watch the fourth quarter again. So we so let's see the team landed in New York City at about actually it wasn't that late. It was I don't know, it was probably one fifteen or something like that. And and so got in the bus and I just pulled up the lead pass and I watched the fourth quarter over again. And this was all the, the podcast that we did about Russ. This was the first kind of true embodiment of that 
good Russ of that refuse to lose of, of yeah, we're down 15. So what, you know, screw these guys attack the rim, you know, fierce athleticism. Get all, all that my back. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, in 15 points, six assists, five rebounds in 12 minutes. And he's just, he's, he's everywhere, but more importantly that he's just, he, he did take a couple of the kind of pull-up heat check type jumpers, but that's what he does when he's on streaks like this. Like he gets a little bit of a rhythm by going to the basket and he finishes and, and then he, that he, he kind of just like feels the momentum. He's such a feel player. Right. And it, yeah, go ahead, Pete. Cause he could feel that he could feel the building there. Like Russ at his best is a barrage and it's hard to like use a scalpel in that type of action, right? Like he's not it, like one goes with the other, the, the constant attacking. Yeah. yeah. It's just this constant attack that is more of that spraying approach than a very precise approach. And there's a good side to that. And there's a, a, a downside to that. So Darius, what I, what stuck out to me though, is that while Russ is doing that, then and this is what we had hoped for. Then AD was like, oh, all right. You want you want me to just destroy Cade Cunningham uh, on first by blocking his shot from three and then following him to the rim and, and just Cunningham being like, what, what just happened? Like, I'm a, that does not, there may be two people in the world, him and Giannis, that could do that. And so once AD came along to the ride and then everybody else, it's almost like, like it's just filling in and doing the little things and maybe rebounding or playing defense or boxing out. And so that was, that was great to see. And uh, it's it's a reminder of the type of energy and effort that they have. And of course, will it matter? I don't know. Like it, we'll see how they sustain it in New York. And and then the biggest factor is LeBron. But uh, but that's that's twenty things there. So let's just let's just refresh and kick it to you for what you what stood out the most to you, Pete. The point that you started on is super important. If the guys aren't playing hard, then none of it works. And there's just a baseline level of effort and engagement that you need in order to be successful on the basketball court. And if everyone's playing hard and then the things that you're doing don't work, then, okay, then let's start to reexamine the things that we're doing. I thought the first 27 minutes of this game, basically the Lakers maybe played hard for, I don't know, four of those minutes, five, five of those minutes. Um, I thought there were egregious examples from several players, including LeBron James, where I just felt like this dude's not playing hard. And it very much looked like, okay, well, honestly, and I'm just going to say this, like, okay, the Lakers are going to lose this game. They're going to come home on Thanksgiving. And Frank Vogel's going to get fired. It's sort of how I looked at things. Like, the Lakers have been bad. They've been so I just want to frame properly what the stretch of the game after the sort of fracas and and I I single word tweeted bedlam because that's what it was in that moment after the Stewart thing happened. It was bedlam for a good minute there. And so the stretch before that, I was just like, okay, well, this team looks listless. Like, I don't know what they're trying to do. But even if I did know what they were trying to do, I don't even think it would matter based off of like how how hard they're actually trying to to do it. And so the glimmer then that Russell Westbrook started to show Mike and Pete, you guys both sort of said this at the same time in our text thread. It's just like, whoa, 
when Russ turned it on and it wasn't even in the fourth quarter. There was a short was the end of the third stretch. quarter. Mm-hmm. There was like right a 50 the the second stretch. Yep. There was like a yep. 50 second stretch right at the end of the third. And it, it literally popped. It was like that sound that I've described this on the pod before, but that sound when you're on the freeway and then a car passes you going really fast and there's just like that whoosh and and you sort of your your car shakes you feel a little it. bit like it's yes. a, it's a like you can feel it and that, I I was there was such a distinction between how they were playing before yes. and then the energy that Russ brought that that's what made it even more severe and the fact is 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 that it wasn't just the energy it was the the disruptiveness it was the it was the total chaos the storm that he sort of brought to the environment of there's no escaping this and that's that sense mike that you have talked about that there is a like okay well we see this happening there's really nothing like there's no avoiding this and that's how russ brings you along with him it it is the fact that like this the rain is here there are no awnings to stand under. It's like you're going like you better embrace the fact that you in a storm now. Right. Like pull your pull your hood down and start marching because we're in this now. And Russ has this way of just encapsulating the full moment of the game and, and bringing that to his level. And his teammates saw it. And I thought it was super important the way that the team really did sort of rally behind Russ and take on his identity for that 13, 14 minute stretch there. That's Russ's brand of leadership. That's the way that he leads is that leader by example, and I'm going to sprint and you are going to fall behind me by the force of my will, right? And the force of the energy by which I play. Now, it's difficult to be a leader in a new situation in which leaders are already established. I think that part of like there's a well-documented kind of arc to Russell Westbrook's seasons where he starts slow and improves uh, as the season goes on and then the playoffs hit and there's something in his game that that gets shut down that uh you know where his teams will ultimately lose in in that round. But his so much of so much of his experience so far within that context has been without LeBron James and even then and that was the first time Mike where I saw Russ feel comfortable enough to do that in the first place that like just get behind me get on my back like imagine going to a new job and it's like I don't know imagine going to I'm trying to find a good example. Imagine going to a new job where the leadership is or is people that you really respect that, you know, you think highly of yourself, but it's somebody like whoever your, uh, you know, broadcasting idols might be or a peer that you really, really respect. And it's their place. Right. And it's it's their thing. And like, do you just step in and be like, oh, well, this is my deal now. Right. You know, it's it's hard to do that, especially when you're getting your bearings in the first place. So I think that seeing that from Russ, just the ability that comfort comfort and confidence to be able to go like to say get on my back in the first place speaks to some degree of progress that's a little intangible yeah and especially in the environment pete that happened after the whole lebron and isaiah stewart thing which was a to get to bring frank vogel's postgame comment into it a galvanizing type of a thing but it's also not that simple i mean i so being there right my spot in the uh, in the whole just in the arena was right next to the tunnel where the Lakers run out to their locker room. And 
when when things so I I'm looking up and I see it looks just to me all I saw is kind of like LeBron's elbow flail and later of course it looks like it's his fist that actually makes the close contact but then I'm looking at the monitor and then I'm kind of looking up and it starts to get anxious in the building quickly so because when Stewart isn't going to be allowed to be contained and the, the PA announcer starts starts yelling please stay in your seats stay in your seats and cops start running out yeah different some parts. malice in the palace vibes for sure yeah but which and it's and like it wasn't cool it like is the point yeah, like that's I bet. not i bet you can't you can't do that like i don't care what happens even if it's a like an actual where you square up with somebody and so like the rondo and chris paul thing right like even at that point those guys allowed themselves to be calmed down at some point yeah, you can't and, keep coming back like that. No. Yeah, it's just and it's just a like that. That is the type of vibe that that you don't want fans to be a part of. Even if it seems like it's it, every it, like entertaining, like you can't look away. You know. So I just was that was really too bad, honestly. To like it was really unfortunate, and so it was such a downer that. But that was still like where they get into the huddle. And by the way, Carmelo Anthony, uh, a lot of the players said had a lot to do with that too is that Melo got into the huddle and was and he is kind of like the the uncle that you look up that you look up to and the older that's kind of been there he's cool you know like he'll he'll get you the candy bar maybe after mom and dad says no but he kind of gives you the wink and like he's so he's doing that and then Russ is is going like hey no we're like we're coming back to win this game like let's go so that's that's Russ's way of and it took him a little while remember this was early in the third quarter so it wasn't like they immediately went on a run to close the game in fact Detroit built on the lead that they had by the end of the third quarter. They were up 12, I think. Uh, and then, or by, at least by the time the free throws and everything got, end up shooting and then they're up 15, but still that they reset again. Russ goes out to lead that unit. And from the first possession, he, he attacks on the first possession. He ends up getting fouled, misses both free throws. Mello leads to the ball, getting offensive rebound. And then Russ drives baseline and finishes. And it's like, and, and just seeing the ball go in then, you know, you can see Russ kind of, he's like, yep, like, yep, this is what we're going to do. And that just mm-hmm. builds, it builds, mm-hmm. it builds. And, and all of a sudden, like they're within, they're within five uh, and they're within three with, with like seven or eight minutes still to go. So it, it like, they got rid of that lead pretty quick. Let's take a quick break. And we, when we come back, I want to talk about some of the basketball that we saw this weekend. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. 
Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FILMROOM. So, D, the I'm thinking about the second half of the Boston Celtics game in conjunction with that fourth quarter of the Detroit Pistons game. I've seen a coach uh, that's really searching for a lot of different answers, going to different lineups, going to different looks. In the fourth quarter of that Detroit game, we switched a ton. We played a lot of 2-3 zone throughout the game. I actually have been advocating for the zone, and at some point I'm like, oh, we've been in the zone for too long, right? Like, And that's that's part of the nature of zones is there's diminishing return the longer that you run it. But both in terms of lineups and style. And this is a team that's really searching right now. And, you know, we feel good after a comeback win in Detroit, but we're a bad team right now. And it's a team that's trying to figure out who it is. Did we get any answers to that this weekend? Yes and no. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I still think the root of things is, is this team going to decide that they're going to play hard? Do they believe in what they're doing? And um, do they have enough talent? to do what they want to do on any given night. And the style of play stuff is super interesting to me. Like Detroit's a bad team. So, I mean, I don't know what to say about like the Lakers came, came back and Detroit plays hard. And so there's a certain baseline you need to meet them at, but at the point where if you're playing as hard as them, you should beat them. Mm Mm-hmm. The Lakers would, even without LeBron, like the fact that they had THT was super helpful Mm -hmm. because I honestly think if they didn't have THT, that fifth position there that would have had switchability defensively and the ability to like get downhill and drive, even if he wasn't creating a bunch of plays, he was a functional guy out there that could that helped. This has been such a story of the season, just like having lineups where like there's just if we had one more guy, yeah, yeah, just one more guy. Yeah, yes, just one more guy. But the one more guy thing is in conjunction with a lot of different stuff, man. And this is where I'm sort of at with with the Lakers. They are, what, 17 games in now? 18 games? Right? And so season's almost a quarter way over. Yeah. And one of the things that struck me after the game, Mike, was Vogel was saying, you know, we're still learning each other. And I understand that that's functionally true. I also think that's a bad place to be 20 games in into the season. I think that it's reflective of the team's injuries. It's it's reflective of a lot of different stuff. I think it's reflective of Vogel maybe staying in his comfort zone for a little bit too long. And so what he's learning is stuff that maybe could have been learned earlier. I think it's reflective that they maybe didn't treat the preseason with enough respect. Mm. And so there's like a lot of different things, I think, that have compounded now. We're 20 games in. The team probably isn't where they should be. But where they should be is a bit of a moving target based off of all the external things that have happened to them as well. And so there's no if like this isn't a game of pin the tail on well on the donkey and the donkey is the is who you're going to blame. And there's only one place to put the blame. Like, no, it's 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 like a dartboard. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've got 20 darts and we're just going to throw it. And wherever we and wherever the dart lands, you're probably going to be able to 
have a piece of something that you can point to and say, mm-hmm. yeah, this really wasn't the right thing or mm-hmm. this went poorly mm-hmm. for us. And, and, and so, I, so I think it, it's, it's probably a bad time or a bad place to sort of say, oh, well, you should be doing this or they should have been doing that the whole time. Like you, you can say that and that's true. What I'm more concerned about is how do they, how do they actually galvanize how do they actually leverage some of the positive things? How do they actually find a path to go down that's that's going to to work? And I, a part of my brain keeps coming back to the fact: well, LeBron wasn't playing hard, right? And then that thing happened in the middle in well in the middle of the game, and then Russ turned it on, and AD turned it on, and it was just like, aha, we have something, but. Is that is that something fleeting? Is it something that's going to be mm-hmm. be there on Tuesday and Wednesday when they play back to backs in Indiana and New York, or is it something that won't show up again until you know next week, right after Thanksgiving? I'm still learning what this team is, but I'm more pessimistic than I thought I would be at this stage of the season, and, and I don't know what to say even after coming off of what I thought was a really spirited showing late in that game am i a wet blanket right now like no like i don't know what to say really pull back pull back and just look at every time that we've played well d it's been after we've played poorly in some way we or we've had some sort of external factor imbue us with juice right it's like oh today season starts today right and yeah. and that something happened we got blown out we blew a big lead we you know lost to okc and then all right tomorrow's gonna be different but this is a big part of my reason mike why I've been like, we need guys who can run around. We need guys who have sort of like, I'm a big proponent of, of Shondi getting some minutes right now, just because he's physical and can run and have that juice. We're like, we're a pretty old team that has to play with some pace and tempo to, in order to be good. And that something has to give there. That may not be enough in the first place. Our defensive scheme is also very demanding. Like one of the things we did in that fourth quarter is we switched in two, three zone. These are easier defenses to play. It's just not what Vogel likes to do, but he's shown a tremendous amount of adaptability recently. But anyway, all of it factors in Mike, where every time we look good, we're playing with that juice and we're flying all over the place. It's that, that storm that's, that's building, right? And every time we're bad, we're so slow, we're so lifeless, we're so listless. And there's just such a correlation between that, that I think managing that is one of the keys to the season, as as simple as it seems. The Lakers are nine and nine right now. And I'm just trying to, I'm going to try to look at the rest of the league for a second because so Golden State and Phoenix, right? They're, they're 15 and two and 13 and three, and they know what they're doing every night. They're doing the same thing playing the same way they're playing the same guys they've been largely healthy with a couple of key injuries like Aiton's missed some time and you know clay isn't back yet but it's not they don't have to come out and say all right if we if we really just play our give our best effort tonight that's how we're going to win this game and the lakers since they don't have that system to fall back upon they don't have the continuity they don't have the consistency like they don't have that in the roster they don't have that in the system they don't have that in the scheme Maybe they still have a greater degree of upside, like peak upside than Golden agree. State or Phoenix do, but they don't they don't have that. So that means that they have to play hard like that. But mm-hmm. but guess what? You can't. You can't play harder than your opponent every night. That's right. Because your opponent on a lot of nights is gonna look and they're gonna see the purple and gold. And they're gonna be much more interested in playing hard against you when all their friends are watching. 
and they are more likely to be on national TV and, and Hey, I'm guarding LeBron tonight, or I'm going it's to a measuring Anthony stick, Davis. right? Yeah. It's a measuring stick for and, a lot and of no these matter guys. what the record is. Like those guys yeah. are still hyped about it. It was like teams still playing hard against the Lakers when they were all the lottery picks. So it's a, it's just a, I don't think it's as simple as, all right, now they've figured out that if they play hard, they're going to, they're going to win. Agreed. You know? And so it's still going to take time. Like there's still going to be some losses and I'm my biggest focus is back is not on Russ. Like I, I think we Russ is what we thought he was going to be. It's not an AD who is back closely, at least to the AD before the bubble tax year. It's about LeBron and it's about how LeBron can get through this season, how he can manage it physically when he can get to the point where he's finishing at the rim, you know, instead of fading away and, that's going to be where the Lakers go uh, or not. And the other stuff's going to help getting guys back, et cetera. But that's, you know, Darius still where, where I'm trying to think about. No, I think pivoting to LeBron, it's always, it, it's always going to come back to LeBron. Right. And I think I'll be very interested to see if some of the schematic things, Pete, and, and this is where I do want to kick it back to you. Some of the schematic things that I think worked for the Lakers was on the defensive side. They did do more switching. They played a very switchable lineup, right? It helped that the lineups that Detroit played were the types of lineups you want to switch against, right? It's just like, oh, you've got a bunch of like forwards and there is no Isaiah Stewart to like go and like beat up on an Avery Bradley on a switch. And now this dude's on the glass and who, Mm -hmm. and how are you going to box this guy out? And like some of those, mismatches within the game that matter right but I thought the Lakers did switch more defensively they did go to more zone looks and then offensively they were just like yeah guess what we're gonna spam this empty this empty side pick and roll with AD and well with AD and Russ and we're gonna make you guys stop it and if you can't stop it then it's going to be Russ with a layup. Oh, AD with with a layup. Like, oh, driving kick. Carmelo th- swing, swing. Carmelo three. Oh, AD with a layup. Oh, Russ with a layup. Oh, someone got fouled. Free throws. And it's sort of like they just spammed it over and over and over again. And that idea of finding something that works and continuing to go, go to it, there is that's super important, but that's only a one-night thing. I think they need to continue to be flexible within, within their mindset they need to target specific types of of actions, but okay, and they need to have maybe four or five of those like in their back pocket and say, yeah, this is what's working tonight. We're going to this and keep going back back to it because the thing about and getting back to what what Mike said, the thing about playing harder than your opponents or as hard, you need to be winning to continue to play hard. If you play hard three games in a row and you go one and two or oh and three, Mm -hmm. guess what you've learned? Playing hard does not make a difference. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. that's just the reality of things, right? Like it's, it's how it's the same way that kids get discouraged at school. Like I'm trying super hard to learn long division. Right. I sit here and I and and I practice and I practice and I practice. And when I take a test, guess what? I missed it all. None of it worked. And so guess what that tells you? I'm not good at long division. I'm going to stop trying this hard with long Mm -hmm. division. Let's move on to to something else. And I feel like some of what we've seen with the Lakers is all the shit we've been trying. None of it's working. 
So I'm going to start to shut down a little well, bit. And, 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 just, and so go no, ahead, please. Just a point, just to, to build your point though, from the 1920 season, LeBron can't, comes in, AD's there, and they start playing defense hard the first game. But guess what? They, they win. Well, they lost the first game to the Clippers. But then they won almost every other game they played for like two months. Yeah. So it built and it locked those habits in. It locked Frank Vogel's system in. And, and they were like, if we just keep doing this, it's going to work. And that's what Phoenix is doing right now with their system. It's what Golden State's doing right now with the way they play. And so, yeah, I, I just – that was – if they – had they started to lose some of those games or somebody gets injured – then they probably don't win the title because they don't keep playing that way, you know, and like they don't become, they become not a defensive team, but it's just, it's, you're so right to point out how things build like that. And we're going through a metamorphosis right now of what we were into what we will become. And we'll see if what we will become is going to be good enough. But let's take a break. And when we come back, I think that this X's and O's stuff is, is more important this year than it has been in previous seasons. So we'll talk about it more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So last week, D, we were talking a lot about the funneling, the idea of funneling when you go yeah. small. Frank Vogel started, did not start small against the Detroit Pistons. He started DJ. Avery Bradley kept his spot, right? Going back to a more conventional Vogel type of lineup. That's not who played most of the, of the game. But the thing about our roster this year is we have some lineups that can play Vogel's drop coverage scheme, his preferred scheme. We have some guys that can do it. I would say... Five or six. Yeah. That's not enough to get through a full game. Because in previous seasons, we'd had 10 or 11. Right, exactly. So what happens is there are times where we'll run it okay. Now, a part of it is, like, if DeAndre Jordan was JaVale McGee, what we would have seen from the starters thus far would have at least been better on the defensive end. The starters have hemorrhaged on on the defensive end when DJ has started. But... We can't do that the whole game, is my point. 
right? And there are certain guys, a lot of guys on this team where if we continue to do that, it plays into their biggest weaknesses. And so small ball, but the good news is that small, small ball teams have a blueprint. We are not the first team to make this severe of a change toward this direction. In fact, we're more in like the final third. We were talking the other day over text and you were looking for like potential fives around the league to trade for. And you're like, there's not a lot of guys. There's not a lot of like legit seven footers. And that's a, a testimony to just where the game has gone. And that blueprint is more, it's funny because Mike, this is a place where I, I know your preferences for the, the bigger lineups. And a big part of that is we got to protect the rim. That, hold on, hold on. Where do we get to the point where you think my preferences for the bigger lineup? No, no, I, I mean, I mean, not not for this Lakers team. I mean, philosophically, you would rather no. have a big bully ball team? No? No, Am I not, wrong with not, this? not necessarily, yeah. No, it, it, it totally depends on the personnel. Yeah, I'm not married to anyone, to any one style or, or system whatsoever. Okay. All right. Well, this will yeah. be. It will Did be I fun sound to, defensive there. It will, <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. I think you're offering clarity on on yeah. level, on your position, which is if, good. If, if someone were talking about my position and saying it was wrong, I would yeah, speak up too. Not, so I'm glad like, you did. I've merely been trying to explain Frank Vogel's position and preference, which is not which is not mine um, over the years. But no, I okay. I have said that I like that I if if when it comes down to it, I think that somebody that can go to the rim and finish is better than like shooting in the postseason. Which but I don't know if there's a big small thing that associated with that. But uh, but anyway, back to you, well, sir. I, n- well, I mean, usually it's part and parcel, right? Because usually if you can shoot the crap out of the ball, you're probably not as big. And if you are big, you're Kevin Durant, right? Like you're you're going to be one of the best teams in the league, no, ma- no matter what. Um, but that blueprint that those teams have is to keep you out of the paint in the first place. And I just think about how teams have defended us over the last few years, right? And when you're facing the Lakers and you got to come up with a defensive game plan, it's like, well, we're just going to try to keep you out of the paint in the first place. We're certainly not going to funnel you there and then hope our rim protectors can protect the the rim, right? We want to keep you out of there in the first place. And one of the things that both 2-3 zones and switching does is it neutralizes the ball screen game. And that's one of our biggest weaknesses this season is how we've defended pick and rolls. We've really gotten our butts kicked in our drops with those personnel groupings that have not, you know, those personnel groupings that have not had the ability to run Vogel's drops the way that he does. But Mike, over the last 10 days, Vogel's defensive, like we ran more zone on purpose in that last game against Detroit than I've ever seen Vogel run. Now, I think after the Boston game, he was like, I don't like playing zone, right? So there's a certain amount of he's searching for answers, but I've I've been really I've been really struck by Frank's defensive adaptability uh, over the last few few games. Is that something that in the post games or anything that you've you've heard about, you know, about the, their defensive philosophies? I think he's just trying to do anything that he can to win the game. And the stuff that's clearly not working, even though it's it's preferred to and, and maybe even where he thinks that they ultimately should go or want to get to. But he's just noticing, all right, we're this coverage, we're not executing it. So we have to go to zone. Or <laughs> these guys are not going to be able to stay with the opponent in this fast of the game. So he's just in survival mode. Uh, I think. And Mm. it's just it's again, it's it's unfortunate that they're that they're here right now. I suppose it's better that it's November than if they were in this complete search mode come all star break or after the all star break. But that's the that's just the simple reality, I think, of why they're doing it more. And is it sustainable? I don't think so. But that's 
that's where once they get LeBron kind of consistently back where he's playing and he's kind of ramping up some and and once they add a couple more pieces, there's going to be a certain point of the season where I think they have to kind of sit sit down and, and say, all right, here's what we're going to do every game, even if it doesn't work for three or four games, because we can't just keep going back and forth and, you know, throwing out zones for a quarter and mix matching like that. Like like you might in a playoff series where you're you're good enough out of your base to switch it up that much. In an ideal world, Mike, I think that that's right. My concern with this Lake, Lakers team, the more that I've seen them is that they don't have enough defensive personnel to do any one thing well across the entire team. And like, give me, look, give me Trevor Ariza back and give me Austin Reeves back. Yes. Right. And none, then none is a solid defender none, too. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, then I can see maybe we would execute drops better. Right. Because then maybe you can pinch from the wing a little bit more. Um, maybe you can get over the top of screens a little bit better with Reeves and Nunn, right? Reeves has good size. He offers good good back pressure. Like, one of the things that we haven't talked about a lot this season are some of the technical aspects of, like, what Vogel likes to do defensively, because I think to a certain extent we've taken it for granted that a lot of the guards that he's had in the past have been able to do the guard function of this particularly well. But it is a partnership defensively between the guard and the big when you're playing the type of coverage that Vogel wants to play because Vogel does not want to pinch Pete. He doesn't want to help from off of other players in his pick and roll coverage. He wants the two guys who are Mm -hmm. in the action to be able to defend it. D how much you want to bet that that what you just said right there is why Avery Bradley is starting. Oh, 1000%. Can I, can I bet my entire life savings on that (laughs) right now? Yeah, please. Yeah. So there is a, there is a you can do this one thing that I that is super important to me. So like, let's do that. Right. And look, I don't blame like and here's the thing is I don't blame a lot of people for a lot of different things that probably a lot of people want to place blame onto these people for for the for these things. It's one of the reasons why I don't like to assign blame a lot of time is because life is too complicated to blame someone for one single thing within the context of this much larger portrait of things. It's, it's, it's like looking at a giant painting and then saying like, Oh, what's up with that one brushstroke right there? Like you messed that up. Right. Right. Like it has to be in context with everything else. Yeah. There, there's just this whole idea of all of these things are interconnected and, and not seeing the connective pieces to to that you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing just the analysis a disservice right but the lakers don't have the guards to get over the top of screens these guys don't fight over the top of screens and they don't recover in time and so the bigs get engaged in ways that you don't want them engaged and then the bigs understand they're getting attacked downhill so they start to play lower and lower and then guys are getting as close to that as they want to the basket and like their decision their decision window is way bigger And it's way easier because going over the top of screens is the way that you that opens up a certain type of read. And guards want you to like the guy with the ball wants you to go over the top of screens. 
right? They want you to do that because they're just like, ah, now I see the entire floor in terms of what my decision making is. I can turn the corner, get all the way basket. I can turn the corner and shoot the pull up jumper. Oh, big man is engaged. I'm throwing the lob over the top. Oh, weak side tag, I'm skipping to, to the corner. Guys have been drilling this. They've been playing pick and roll basketball basically their entire lives, a lot of these guards now. This isn't 1989. Right. Where right. where five guards ran the pick and roll it was like Mark Price and John Stockton. And <laughs> and like those are the dudes and they look like pros, pros out there. No, this is 2021. These dudes grow up doing this from the time that they're seven years old. Right. And so these reads, they are with these reads. But you know what kills those reads? Like, oh, this dude is on my hip now. And like, oh, now the big is a little bit up higher. And now I don't see anything. Where's my opening? Like, oh, no, I got to back dribble. I got to reset the defense. And now it's just like, oh, man, now there's 16 on the shot clock. Now there's eight on the shot clock. Now there's, oh, isolation time. Got to just go get something. And that's what the Lakers look like on offense too often, <laughs> right? Yeah. That, they're getting that done to them. But that's what they want to do to other teams defensively, and they're not able to do it. And so Vogel, sorry, I've been rambling here, but Mike, to get back to, to the point that I was trying, trying to make is sometimes they're going to be able to run drops. Sometimes they're going to need to go zone. Sometimes they are going to need, need to switch. And it may need to be based off of like, who's in the game? What's the other team doing? What are they good at? And it's hard to coach like that. Game to game to game to game. It's just hard. But I think that that's probably what Vogel's going to have to do this year if he wants to have the success. Unless there's massive roster turnover and things start to align a certain way or he gets all these guys back healthy. I think the space in the middle is you can't, like, to Mike's point, you can't just switch every night and have your go-to thing that you do. You have to establish an identity. And I, I definitely agree with that. But... You also have to be mindful of the personnel that you have, right? And who can do what. And I, so I think that the space in between is catering toward the lineups that you have on the floor. Like, and that's what he did in the, for much of the Detroit game. That's why, like, when he, his, like, the two, three zone groups, he was running that in the first quarter. When DJ went out, he was running that in the first quarter. He was running defenses that were appropriate to, the personnel that were on the floor for more in that game than any other game this season. And dudes were just mostly checked out for it. But in that fourth quarter, we start switching everything. That's where we introduce the switches, right? And so I think that there's a more even distribution in the types of coverages. I think we're only going to have to, like two, two or three, I think we're going to have to be able to switch, to be able to drop, and to be able to have a couple of different zone looks. And it's just a matter of the dial being turned, right, on, on that. And Vogel's really made a lot of big changes in that respect that I think is worth keeping an eye on, especially the switching. I think that, especially with THT back, there are more lineups capable of doing that. All right, it's a crazy season um, that, that got no crazier this past weekend. We'll be back tomorrow. Let's talk some general NBA tomorrow. We haven't uh, done that in a little while. It'd be nice to get out of the, the Lakers headspace for a little bit. That'll be, that, that's for sure. All right, until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, four 
plays an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's go. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tap to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.